Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt. I'm here to tackle your emotional issues and dispense the tough love that your friends are too polite to give. Today's Dear Viv is one of our new bumper monthly specials in which we take a look back into the archives to see what they have to say on various themes. Today's topic is Christmas. Our first question this week. Dear Viv, Why the hell do I put myself under the pressure of organising a family Christmas when I get so stressed doing it? I come from a big family and across the year we take it in turns to host family dinners. I never offer, firstly because when my family comes round they never go home and secondly because when I cook I go all Delia and want to showcase amazing food. Then there's all the clean-up afterwards. Ultimately, it costs me hundreds of pounds and leaves me stressed. What's the solution? Dear reluctant Delia, I don't know. Why the hell do you put yourself under the pressure of organising a family Christmas when you get so stressed doing it? I can feel the heartache and the frustration oozing out of your question, not to mention the bang your head against the wall madness of your own self-defeating behaviour. But I get what you're saying because we've all done it, moaned and groaned about having to have people around for dinner and then cooked a seven-course cordon bleu extravaganza worthy of Heston Blumenthal's Christmas special just to prove that we're worth it or something. Seriously, what are we trying to prove? You know what I'm going to say here. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. You need to set some and not just for others, for yourself. First, the question of whether to host it in the first place. I say this and I say it clearly. If you do not want to do it, do not do it. You say you never offer to host these dinners and yet somehow it seems that you end up hosting them. And no wonder everyone invites themselves round to yours. You massively over-cater and then they never have to leave. If I was your sibling, I'd be inviting myself round every night. It's time to reclaim the sanity. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I can't say this often enough. You don't even have to find an excuse. Just say, and please practice saying this, I'm not doing it. End of. If you feel you can't go this far, then practice your excuses. 
I'm not up to it at the moment. I have too much on at work. I've been really under the weather all year. I can't manage it. Cooking makes me feel nauseous at the moment. Let them speculate that you're pregnant. Anything but making you cater for all of them. Best of all, though, don't say anything. Just say no. Second, there is an option for you to say yes, but it involves you saying yes in a way that makes you happy. Maybe there is a part of you that enjoys hosting these dinners and maybe you really do want to say yes. Make a list of all the things that could happen that would make this into a happy yes for you. What if everyone contributed £50 so you didn't have to pay for everything? You can send them your bank details and a deadline to pay by. Better still, delegate this task to someone else. What if everyone had to bring something with them to help with the catering? What if everyone was assigned a role, someone to help lay the table, someone to do the washing up, someone to act as your sous chef, make it into a fun thing, give them sticky labels to wear? What if you acted as the manager or leader of this project rather than the person who has to do every single task on her own and pay for it all too? Would that make it fun? If the answer is yes, then go ahead, you can do this. My big thing for 2018 is going to be this, and I want it to be yours too. Teach other people how to treat you. If you pay for everything, do everything, cook everything, and throw in Adelia triple-cooked goat's cheese souffle as an intercourse appetiser, they will certainly learn how to treat you like a doormat. They'll come back and ask for more. And who can blame them when you've already showed them how much you want to give? So let others see what your limits are and don't let them test them. First, though, I think you know the truth. Work out for yourself what your limits are and make a promise to yourself not to bend them for anyone. Our next question. Dear Viv, I've recently moved here from New Zealand for a job and I'm worrying about spending Christmas alone. Is there any chance of finding a group of people in a similar situation and having Christmas lunch together? Or am I making too big a deal of this? I'm not too religious, but we've always spent Christmas as a family, and this will be my first time being away from them over Christmas. What do people usually do in this situation? Oh, I feel so sad about this. I think I'm going to cry. You can come to my house. My mum will love talking to you and asking you lots of annoying questions about whether New Zealand is really that different from Australia. Actually, she might have to get behind me in the queue for asking these kinds of stupid questions. I apologise in advance. Uh, Seriously, though, I don't think you're making a big deal. I think you're being sensible and trying to predict how you'll feel on the day. And you know that you like big family Christmases and you like to be with people. So however uncomfortable you might feel about it, I think you should think about broadcasting your problem as far and wide as possible. On Facebook, you could write, facing Christmas alone over here, any tips? I predict you'll be inundated with invitations. Similarly, can you talk to people at work or maybe even put up a notice or send an email around? Keep it light and jokey and it won't be weird. Are there other people at your work who might also be on their own? It sounds like you might like to be with some of them rather than gatecrash someone else's family Christmas. Although, believe me, I don't think you need to feel awkward about this at all. I've often longed for a complete stranger to come and sit at our Christmas table to break up some of the family angst or at least provide us with someone to gossip about afterwards. Sorry, I don't intend to gossip about you if you do come around and visit us. You ask, what do people usually do in this situation? And I think the answer is, 
do everything they can to avoid feeling lonely by getting invited somewhere. I sense, though, that you do have the guts to be a bit more creative. So cast the net far and wide and get some good options to choose between. If your letter had a different tone, I'd also suggest going away somewhere on your own, maybe somewhere you've always wanted to go. I think you want company. Do you have neighbours or single friends? Could you go set up a dinner for them? Uh, And one final suggestion, lots of people volunteer for charities on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and they find that is a great way to get through the festive period, especially if loved ones are a long way away or if they've had a big change in their life circumstances. But if you don't want to come over all worthy on Christmas Day, then don't if it doesn't suit you. I confidently predict that your boss will invite you around for an extremely interesting and potentially professionally useful Christmas. That's if my mother doesn't get to you first. Our next question. Dear Viv, it's coming up to that awful time of year again. Yes, the dreaded work Christmas party. I moved apartments a couple of years ago and whilst I get on well with my new colleagues, I wouldn't say that I enjoy spending time outside work with them. It's not a particularly social team. In fact, Christmas is one of the few occasions when we do socialise after work. We also team up with another department for our Christmas do, which adds to the awkward levels as we hardly ever see them in our normal work days. This department works in a different building and our work rarely involves liaising with them. We just happen to share the same boss. This department socialises even less frequently than we do and making conversation is excruciating. Last year, I organised the departmental do, partly because I was pregnant at the time, although I hadn't told my boss, and everyone was suggesting a massive booze up followed by go-karting. Usually an excellent pastime, but not if you're four months pregnant, as I would have been. Then I had a miscarriage around a month before the Christmas party. So I wonder if this is adding to my reluctance to get into the Christmas spirit. I don't think so, as I was already dreading last year's party as well, even before I found out I was pregnant. There's been no luck on that front either, by the way, this year. 2016 has been an all-round shitty year, if I'm quite honest. I appreciate a lot of other people are in the same boat, and I could be coming across as a spoilt brat, but I resent having to pay through the nose to eat food I won't enjoy and spend time with work folk when I hardly have enough time to hang out with the people I love. I could just not go, but I don't want to cause any friction in the office or with my boss. I also have no desire to repeat last year and organise this year's party as it took up so much of my work time and I ended up having to pay a bit extra from my own pocket to cover costs. Yeah, I know, I'm a mug. In fact, I left early so I could go home to eat crisps and hang out with my dog, which was much more fun. Should I just bite the bullet and say I don't want to go or play along and come down with something on the day of the party? Help! Yours sincerely, Grumpy Christmas Elf. Dear Scrooge, masquerading as an elf, I love your letter. Who likes Christmas parties? Frankly, no one. They just look so beautiful in the magazines, don't they? And I always dreamed of having the perfect white angora fluffy jumper to wear with the perfect black velvet maxi skirt and I would have my hair in a chignon and diamante eyelashes and I would look just fabulous under the mistletoe. In reality, at the last work Christmas party I went to, which was about 20 years ago, yes, I am 167, I ended up drinking one and a half bottles of kava within the first 20 minutes and groping my boss on the dance floor. I have not been back to a Christmas party since. 
So this is very easy advice for me to give, especially as for goodness sake, you had a miscarriage. You have horrible memories of previous Christmas parties and you deserve some time to yourself. So this is easy to say. Do not go to the party. There is no good reason to go to this party and there are a million reasons not to go. Plan something lovely that you really want to do instead. You don't have to tell anyone you're doing this. As you say, just call in sick on the day. You don't have to justify yourself to anyone apart from yourself. And I feel that every fibre of your being is crying out, do not go to this party. You have my permission to now. Our next question. Dear Viv, we live close to my parents who are brilliant at helping out with our kids. But such close contact comes with a price. They seem to forget their grandparents, not parents. Sometimes it's in small ways which I tend to let pass, such as packing wipes and snacks for group outings, something which I, as their mother, of course, naturally would do. Sometimes it's in bigger ways, like totally undermining me on the discipline front if she feels I'm being too harsh with them. And now Christmas is coming into the mix and my mum wants to buy my six-year-old a massive doll's house, which in my eyes is a main present, i.e. one from my partner and myself or from Father Christmas. She's even said, but I don't want her to be disappointed with a small parcel. And I had to bite my tongue when I really wanted to snap back, but your grandma, not bloody Father Christmas. I feel like telling her that she's had her turn at being mum and that being a grandmother is a totally different thing. But I never say anything because I feel bad that she does us so many favours and the kids adore her. I wish someone would write a book on how to be a grandparent because I know I'm not alone in feeling like this. Oh, hello, overlooked mother. I love the bit of your letter where you say... Packing wipes and snacks for group outings, something which I, as their mother, of course, naturally would do. Wow, you are a much better person than I am. I am rubbish at packing snacks for group outings and I never have any wipes. I'm tempted to tell you to send your parents around to live with me as they seem to have everything so sorted. Uh, Joking aside, there is a serious point in my sarcasm. I wonder if there is a way that you can turn your feelings around and really force yourself to be grateful for the help that they give. I know you feel like you're doing this already when you say, I feel bad that she does us so many favours. But as I've said before in this podcast a million times, and I will say it a million times again, it is almost impossible to change someone else's behaviour. So trying to find a way to influence your mum or having a talk with her about what you want to change, all that is really very unlikely to work. Uh, I know this sounds crazy and you definitely won't want me to be the one who writes the book on how to be a grandparent, but have you thought about willfully overlooking the things that annoy you? So they pack snacks and wipes, let them. So they want to give an overly generous present, let them. Bite your tongue, control your anger, let it go. Does it really matter? How would it feel if they continued doing these annoying things, but they didn't really bother you that much? It would feel good, right? So try to let it go. What I'm saying here is pick your battles. Because I do think one area you've mentioned here is important, and that's discipline. 
while it's fine for grandparents to do all kinds of irritating things, in my case, feed a five-year-old large quantities of hot chocolate and cake just before his own birthday party, at which he was violently sick everywhere, including on his presence. Thanks, mum and dad. It's not okay for them to undermine your authority as a parent, especially not in front of your child. First, this is unpleasant for you. But second and more important, it's incredibly confusing for your child not to know who's in charge. So here's the conversation you can have with your mum. And it's a conversation that really has a point. Tell her that you're really grateful for her help and happy for her to be involved as much as possible. But when it comes to your children, it's a case of your children, your rules. And that even if she disagrees with you and thinks that you're being harsh, she needs to go along with your parenting. Try and say all of this in a firm and reasonable way. If your mum talks back, just say, this isn't a discussion, I'm just letting you know how it is and change the subject. I know, I'm nails. You need to make it obvious that this is your stated view. There's no debate to be had about it. And you need to be able to leave a threat dangling in the air without actually making the threat. Basically, if your parents don't do as you say in this instance, they will not be welcome to spend as much time with your children. You don't need to say that, it's too mean, but they will understand it. This isn't about trying to get other people to change. Your parents will never change. They'll probably bring a spare buggy on the next outing you go on and a full three-course picnic. Good luck to them. No, this is about setting boundaries and what is and isn't allowed in your house for the good of your children. Happy family Christmas. Our last Christmas question. Dear Viv, my parents divorced three years ago and haven't got on well since. Last year, we had my mum over for Christmas while my brother had our dad, as they refused to spend the day together. With a two-month-old baby, my husband and I didn't mind having fewer people to clean and cook for, so we put up with it. But I'd rather like our daughter to grow up with memories of seeing her grandparents together, rather than always just one at a time. My brother has also said he'd like it if we could all do Christmas together. How can I convince my parents to set aside their differences? Hmm, well, they are your parents, so you will know better than I how realistic this Christmas wish really is. Wouldn't it be great if we could wave a magic wand for the sake of your baby and reverse the thing that you say in the very first sentence, my parents divorced three years ago and haven't got on well since. I hate to be Scrooge, but you said it. They don't get on and they haven't been getting on for three years. Babies do change things in families, but they don't cause miracles overnight. And you can't make things happen just because you want them to happen. It's entirely possible that over time your parents will come to their own conclusion that it might be fun for the whole family to be together more often, especially now that there's a grandchild around. But you can't come to that conclusion for them. I only wish that were possible. The part of your letter that makes me really sad is when you say you want your daughter to grow up with memories of seeing her grandparents together. The point is they are no longer together. They're divorced. They are no longer a couple and never will be again. You knew your parents as a couple, but your daughter will never know them as a couple. That's how things are now. It would be wonderful if you could turn the clock back and make things different, but you can't. And there's no point in pretending for the sake of your daughter that you can. 
The best thing you can do here, I think, is to accept your parents' divorce and their difficulties and give your daughter a safe and loving environment where she gets to know them both as a divorced couple. She may well have to get to know them as two separate people who never speak to each other and can't stand each other. At least she's getting to know them at all. I'm not sure you personally can persuade your parents to set aside their differences. But the more you accept both of them for how they are, and the more you make your home welcoming to both of them, even if that means separately to begin with, the more they might want to spend time with your daughter. And who knows then what they might overlook in order to spend more time with her. Take it slowly. And even though it's Christmas, don't expect miracles. And enjoy your lovely new baby. Merry Christmas, everyone. That's all for today. If you have a problem you'd like to submit, please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and sign in to thepool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.